Well, hello, oddballs. It's your host, Bobby. And your co-host, Lexi. And this is Oddities, Oddities on, on Elm Street. Street. We're going to keep it short and sweet today. I don't have a morbid tidbit. What the fuck? <laughs> this is a really long topic, I'm telling you. Oh my god, no, I that's not cool. I don't want to have to split it into two parts. Oh my god, okay, well... I sent you some good stuff last I, night. Did you read it? Yeah, about the little boy who was almost kidnapped or something. His brother hit him with a... The assailant with a slingshot. Are you fucking serious? Okay, yeah. Yeah, we have time okay. for that. <laughs> um... Yeah, it says, eight-year-old escapes abduction attempt in northern Michigan. Brother hits suspect in head with slingshot. Oh, my God. What a little hero. That's actually amazing. I know. Do they know who it was? Here, you quick, quick read it. Do your thing. Okay. Let's see. He was 17? Oh, my God. Okay, so he's 17-year-old suspect being charged with the attempted kidnapping of an eight-year-old girl mm. tried to abduct her from her backyard. The little girl was hunting for mushrooms Ugh. when an unknown male appeared in the woods, grabbed her, and covered her mouth. She was able to break away, and then her 13-year-old brother, who witnessed the attempted abduction, shot the suspect in the head and chest with a slingshot before the suspect fled the scene. That is crazy. Okay, so another family another family member saw them leaving and was able to give police a description of what he looked like. And he was found hiding at a nearby gas station. He had visible wounds from the slingshot. <laughs> Good. Oh my god. What a little hero. He said, okay, what the fuck? During his interview, he said that he planned on severely beating her. That's why he wanted to abduct her. What, what the, the fuck? fuck? Huh. All right. Well, there's your morbid tidbit. Thank you for that. Um, so before we do um, get into our topic, we need to announce the winner of the giveaway. And that was our patron. <laughs> that is our patron, Grievous. Grievous! Big congratulations to you. I'm so happy Yippee! that he won. Um, I love Grievous. And before anyone comes for me, no, I did not select the winner myself. I put their names in a little randomizer thingy. Online? Spun the wheel, and it, it picked him. So there you go. Online? Mm-hmm. That's neat. Yeah. You were meant to be Grievous. He was meant Congrats. to be the winner. So we'll get that sent out this week. Uh, we also have a new patron. They didn't. They haven't gotten back to me yet with what they'd like to be called. So new patron. That is the default Welcome. status for right now. Um, Thank you for being yeah. here. And then you know, if they get back with me next week, then we'll, we'll announce it next week. Yes. Excellent. But we still love and appreciate your support. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. And I think that's all I got for. All that good stuff. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Today, we're going to look into the case of Tamla Horsford. In my opinion, I think this is still an unsolved case. 
Yeah. And we'll get more into that like yeah. as we go along and you can totally determine that for yourself. But um and I'll also I'm going to post like some information about the case on our Patreon. Yeah. So if people are interested in doing like a bit more of a deep dive, they can check that out. Pictures and all. Yep, that'll be patreon.com slash oddities on elm street and yeah let's let's do it on the morning of sunday november 4th 2018 police receive a 911 call from cumming georgia at 8 59 a.m the 911 call was placed by a woman named jean myers so fucking fancy i know right i'm pretty sure when i first talked about this case i called her gian <laughs> jean jean or jean but it's jean jean it's french so yeah the 911 call was placed by a woman named jean myers and her boyfriend jose barrera during the 911 call the two of them are telling the dispatcher that jean's friend tamla horsford is lying face down in the backyard in her backyard in her backyard so, before we get into the case itself, I think it's important to give a little bit of history about Tell the area about where this took place. So, how, how was it back then? Was it just oh so diverse and lovely? It's coming is in Forsyth County, which is pretty well known uh, for being very racist. It's located about forty miles northeast of Atlanta. Mm. It's always been a primarily white region. Mm-hmm. And back in 1912, they literally drove all of the black community members from their homes because there was a, a black man being accused of raping a white woman. And then there was another black man that was accused for a separate case of rape and attacking a white woman who later died of her injuries. So because of this, there were a bunch of white mobs formed and they started storming these people's homes and businesses and as a result of that they drove out over a thousand of the town's black residents which back then i mean this is 1912 so back in that day that was like 10 percent of the population Jeez. so yeah for decades forsyth county remained entirely made up of white people but in the 80s black demonstrators peacefully marched in Forsyth County to bring awareness to, you know, the racism. Yeah. And while they marched, white supremacists showed up with Confederate flags and signs saying things like, keep Forsyth racially pure. Uh, They threw rocks at them. They yelled derogatory things at them. And as of 1990, which is fairly recent, there were only 14 black residents living in the entire county. It's just known to be one of those places. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is where Tamla was living at the time. This that, is where the whole thing takes place. Yes, exactly. Wow. <sighs> yeah. So Fuck those people. This is where 40-year-old Tamla Horsford, along with her husband Leander, and their five children resided. Tamla and Leander had been married for 16 years. They had five boys together with ages ranging from 4 to 14 years old. She was super involved with her kids, like, 
she shuttled them back and forth to all of their football games. Mm -hmm. And it was at those football games that she began to form some friendships with the other football moms. One of those women becoming her best friend, Michelle Graves, who we'll talk about later. So on November 3rd, 2018, she is invited to an all-women's slumber party with these other football moms to celebrate the 45th birthday of her friend, Jean Myers, which was being hosted at her house by her friend, Stacy Smith. And it's also worth noting, just for the sake of context, that Tamla is the only black woman in attendance at this party. So Tamla arrives at Jean's house, or Jean, fucking Jean, Jean. I think you should just call her Jean. <laughs> All right. Uh, she arrives at her house around, uh, I want to say 8.30. Um, the party started, I think, at like 6, 6.30. And she didn't know the other women at the party super well. They were just kind of like acquaintances that she knew because their sons mm-hmm. play football together, whatever. Right, right. So, like I said earlier, this was supposed to be an all-women sleepover, but a man named Jose Barrera, who was the 27-year-old boyfriend of Jean Myers, was also there, even though he was supposed to be gone for the night. Um, and Jose was hanging out with Stacy's husband, Tom. According to the interviews that they gave after the fact, they were supposed to go out But after a bit, they really just decided they wanted to stay at Jean's house for whatever reason. And um, Jose and Thomas told the ladies that they'd just hang out in the basement. I guess they had a pretty decent setup down there. It's not like hanging out in my basement. (laughs) (laughs) We should do that more often. (laughs) Absolutely not. Uh, But at some point, they came upstairs to hang out with the ladies because they were watching the LSU football game. They're eating gumbo and all that good stuff so they kind of just meandered on up there and stole some of their snacks and hung around for a bit um it's also important to know that jose at this time is a pre-trial court officer okay can you tell me what that means i think that it's like those officers that stand like the bailiff or whatever i don't know for sure Okay. But that's the only thing I can think of is... Because when I was like, I don't, I either don't know that what that means. Or like they're the officer that gets the guy to and from court. I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of for like a pre-trial officer. <laughs> yeah, look it up. Work with defendants pre-trial after they're charged with federal crimes... And while they're waiting for trial. Okay. Yeah. So they're they're probably the guy that brings them in and It says to help ensure that defendants released to the to the community before trial commit no crime while awaiting trial and return to court as required. Oh, okay. So it's almost like a probation officer but like before, before- yeah. You're put on probation. Pre-pro-bo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay, I'll take so, it. So, yeah, he's in law enforcement with Forsyth County. Um, and another thing is that Jean's aunt, Madeline Lombardi, 
is also at the house because she lives in like a mother-in-law type of suite in the basement. Mm-hmm. Again, it seems like a nice basement. So apparently. Um, so yeah, the party starts around 6.30. Tamla doesn't show up until around 8.30 because she wanted to get her kids settled into bed before leaving for the night. And after she left home, before heading to Jean's house, she stops and gets a nice bottle of tequila as a gift for her birthday. And the plan at this women's sleepover was to watch the LSU-Alabama football game. You know, just hang out, drink, uh, play some games, enjoy a night out. And that's kind of why they decided to do a sleepover so that they could drink and not have to worry about getting home. Mm -hmm. So shortly after Tamla arrived at Jean's house, she changed into a white onesie with paw prints on it. So cute. Yeah. There were 12 people there, including nine women, the two men, Jose and Tom, Mm -hmm. and another man who was the husband of one of the women, and he was just there to drop his wife off and pick her back up at the end of the night. Okay, regardless. Yes, we know that eight of them are planning on spending the night. Okay. So yeah, Tamla regularly steps out onto this balcony to have a cigarette, which another thing that comes up during the interviews is that all of them are, like, very... I don't know. I'll get into it later. Better than thou. I would never (sighs) be caught smoking a cigarette. They just have very interesting behavior. So, yeah, another thing that comes up during the interviews, though, is that all of the women say they remembered Tamla also stepping out to smoke a joint on the balcony. And I guess one of the women (laughs) is like, oh, I've taken a hit of marijuana before. (laughs) Which is like... In my experience, at least, if you're going to smoke weed at a party, you're usually passing a joint around. But they don't, you know, they don't want to, they're like, oh, I would never do that. Okay. Well, and Jose, (sighs) yeah, like, put the stop to it. Because, you know, he's got to honor his badge. Yeah. How's that going? So, yeah, um, Jean actually (laughs) calls Tamla the female Bob Marley. And then, oh my god yeah. this fucking suburban housewife right and then you know she says like you know my boyfriend jose wouldn't approve of that um okay. another thing that jean said during her interview that really just didn't sit with me right is that she she told them she didn't even want to open tamala's gift because the smell of the tequila made her throw up in her mouth like, this woman stopped on her way over there to buy you a really nice bottle of tequila. And that's, who is dead now? Who's and this dead? this is what you're it, saying? This is your friend. And yeah, you, you she's think dead it's in my yard, but important like, to bring that up. Her gift is horrible. It smelled so bad. I can't handle that kind of right. liquor. This sh- oh, it just pisses me off. So, Tamla's here. She's, deser- she's determined to have a good time. Uh, and in every picture and video of her, she's seen smiling being the life of the party that she's known to be. And although she has been drinking a lot, because... She's got her wits. Yeah. I mean, that's the point of all this. They want to do a sleepover so that they could fucking go all out. These moms deserve it. So, all of the women, though, said that she never once appeared to be out of control and that she was acting, like, buzzed at the most. Which is, like, what you expect. Yeah. So, at this party... The guests who didn't plan on staying over began to leave around 1130 
while those who were staying slowly started to trickle off to bed over the next few hours. And according to police interviews, Jean Myers and her boyfriend, Jose Barrera, head up to bed around 1.30 a.m., and the last person awake was Tamla Horsford. She was last seen by Bridget Fuller, who was picked up by her husband at 1.47 a.m. And in Bridget's statement, she says that Tamla was eating a bowl of gumbo and said that she planned to smoke a cigarette before heading to bed. At Jean's house, they have this security system with, like, sensors on the doors, which I have the same one. And so when I saw the notifications, I was like, this is familiar. Um, But that's, it gives us some information about, like, when she was last outside and when she could have come in, whatever. So the security system registered the back door opening, closing, and then opening again for the last time at 1.57 a.m. And then it didn't close. It never closed again that night. So, opened, closed, opened again for the last time. That's what we know. Right. So, around 8.45 the next morning, Jean's aunt, Madeline Lombardi, headed into the kitchen to make herself a cup of coffee. During her interview with police, she recalled the moment she made this chilling discovery. She described seeing something through the window in the backyard, the white paw print onesie, and it was Tamla lying face down in the grass. So... During this interview, Madeline says that as as soon as she realizes that it is Tamla laying in the grass, she gets down on her knees and says a prayer. Then she goes upstairs to knock on Jean's door, but she heard water running. So she thought, okay, she must be in the shower. No one answers the door, so she goes back downstairs to wait. (laughs) Not... Not calling 911, not rushing out there to see if she's okay. Nothing. She just goes back downstairs and waits. Like, and then she goes back to the window and looks again, sees that Tamla isn't moving. So she goes back upstairs, knocks harder on the door. And then, and according to Jean and Jose, they were asleep. Like, they were woken up out of a dead sleep. Even though but it was supposedly water, water running. was running. Yeah. Um, so Jean lets her into the room and Madeline says... I need to speak to Jose right away. Like, what? How old is this lady? Do you know? I don't know. But the fact that she says she needs to speak to Jose just doesn't... It feels weird. Who the fuck says that? Because this is Jean's friend. Like... And her house. But you need to speak to Jose. What is that all about? I don't know. I don't know. Like... And this is Jean's (sighs) aunt. This isn't... Right. Jose's aunt. So, it's, it's very weird. Yeah, so she goes into the bedroom saying she needs to talk to the 27-year-old boyfriend who doesn't even live there. And she says, there's something wrong with, quote, your friend from the islands. Because Tamla is from the Caribbean. So, um, Oh, my God. Yeah, she says, there's something wrong with your friend. I want Jose to take a look at her. I don't know if this is, like, rational in her mind because he's law enforcement or something. Who right. knows? I, I, 
He's the man of the house, even though it's not his house. And he's fucking 27, dating a 45-year-old. I mean... Oh, my God. I did not even put that together. Yeah. Fuck. It's very weird. This whole thing what? is just really weird. Um, so, yeah, they head down to the yard where Tamla is lying in the grass. They never attempt CPR. They don't even turn her over. Um, they don't really make much of an attempt to see if she's even breathing. Supposedly, Jose touched her back to see if he could feel her breathing and then for some reason grabbed her leg. It's stiff. And yeah, realized he couldn't bend it because she was so stiff. So that rigor mortis. At 8:59 a.m., Jean calls 911. Forsyth County 911. Hi, yes. Um, I, I need an ambulance and a place to my home. My name is Jean Myers, J-E-A-N-N-E. Okay, what's going on? Um, we had people over last night when we were drinking. Most of us went to bed. One of them stayed on the balcony. She was drinking, and we just went out outside, and she's laying face down in the backyard. It looks like may I'm guessing maybe she fell off the balcony, but she's stiff. Okay, is she breathing? I, I don't know. I don't know if she's face down. Okay. Thought, here, hold on. Hey, this is Jose Barrera. Hey, have y'all checked to see if she's breathing? She's not moving one bit. She's not breathing. Um, okay. I just try to assess her Tesla. She's completely face down in the yard. Um, she is stiff. Okay. You see any blood or anything to where that, from where she fell? Um, I, I, I don't know if I should move her over. I mean, she's completely face down. Okay, I mean, can you just check and see if she's breathing? If, if she's not breathing and you and you know she's gone, then just leave her where she's at. If she... Okay. I'm completely not sure. I get more worked up... Than they seem to be? About, about their friend? Random shit that oh, is yeah. irrelevant... Or just stupid. I don't know. Not like a person, my friend, laying in may your yard. be dead in my backyard. She seems so nonchalant, cool, calm, and collected. Like, yeah. hey, when you guys have time, can you maybe stop <laughs> over? No, you're right. Like, she. It's so strange. There's no urgency. Yes, at all. That's what really. Uh, as soon as I heard it, I'm like. Are you calling to order a pizza? Yeah. Well, and the thing is, too, is it's like, I understand you don't want to touch her. You don't want to mess with her or whatever. But if she's still alive and she literally is face planted into the... Like... I mean... Right. Her face is on the grass. Like, move her head so that my, she can potentially breathe. I It wouldn't even cross my mind of like, oh, I don't want fingerprints right, on right. her. I would fucking flip her over and start CPR or whatever I had to do. Yes. And that it's like... And the ant... Call fucking 911 as right. soon as you see. Like, no, I'm just gonna... I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna go see if maybe they're, like, up and able to speak to me. Oh, but they're not, so I'm gonna just wait for a little bit. I guess <laughs> I'll maybe go check again. Like, who the fuck are these people? I don't know. And why are they so shitty? I don't know. Um, see, I'm more worked up talking about this than fucking... Jean is on her 911 call. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, 
yeah, she, Jean is the one who kind of brings the suggestion about her falling off the balcony. And then she hands the phone back to Jose, who then says, I'm noticing a small cut on her right wrist. She's not breathing whatsoever. I don't know if this cut was self-inflicted. So there's a lot of suggestion going on here. Yeah, yeah. Um, she fell off the balcony because she was drinking. Oh, wait, maybe she slit her wrists and this is a suicide, suicide. attempt. Right. Like, what? So the dispatcher asks again if Tamla's breathing. And this time, Jose says, I have no idea if she's moving, moving or breathing and I can't completely tell. It's like, okay, then wouldn't you just say That's like a minute what- ago? Yeah, earlier he's like, oh. She's not breathing. Rigor mortis has set in. Yeah, I can't even move her leg. (sighs) Yeah, so the dispatcher starts to ask about the balcony that she could have possibly fallen from, and Jose says something very strange. He says, it's about 20 feet from the ground if you're standing on the railing. Yeah. Which is, like, kind of insinuating that Tamla was standing on the railing and fell or jumped because, why, off from why the balcony. else would you stand on the railing? That's just another, he's really trying to get that. He's just, insi- like, yes. he's trying to plant seeds. Yes. Both of them are. It's just a really weird response. Um, and then they say, you know, we do have cameras and it covers that whole area. You can see the balcony. So it should show everything. Like, whatever possibly happened, it'll be on that camera. And then he says, like, we'll check them. Which... The inv- and this was when the investigators were already there. So at that point, Why the investigators should be like, actually, we're just going to take that from you right now. Like, you don't need to do, you know, we're going to book this into evidence because right. that's what it fucking that's is. That's what you do. But that's not what happened. And in fact, police would never receive those tapes. Never. And when they went back with their second investigation. The I'm tapes just not were not really good with computers, so I think I deleted them and I don't yeah, even know if I can so get them convenient. back. So yeah. The tapes were deleted. Um but back to the scene, the the police arrive at nine oh seven and they're all like buddy buddy with Jose because they know him. Mm-hmm. Upon their arrival, investigators immediately determine that Tamla is deceased. Which they really aren't even supposed to do. Like they don't even have EMS there right, at this can, point. They, they come in with a body to bag. Make that determination. No, it should be done by EMS or a coroner. And they show up with a body bag in their hand already, and that's weird because he said he wasn't sure if she was breathing. Her body is also like in a, a really strange position. Like I said, her face is completely buried in the grass. Both of her feet are pointing to the right. Her right arm was close to her body, and then her left arm was extended out. Um, It was also pretty obvious that she had, like, a dislocated wrist because it was swollen and bruised. And the investigators, they're thinking, you know, if they're believing the story of her falling from the balcony, the broken wrist can be explained by her trying Trying to break break. her her fall. So her body was sent in for an autopsy. But before her autopsy report even came back, the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office had already begun working on this theory that Tamla's death was an accident. The case remained open for almost four months until they made that determination official on February 20th of 2019. 
which was two weeks after the state of Georgia medical examiner provided their final report. Without any pictures. Yeah. They never (laughs) took pictures of her autopsy. Like, what the fuck is going on? That doesn't happen. That's not a thing. No. This, That's none not a of thing. The, none of, like, the protocol is being followed at all. And for what reason? Because you know these people? Oh, uh, yeah, buddy, buddy. It's and just, oh. They got me a Duncan card. This <laughs> is fucking weird. I know. So they, they kind of just point that her blood alcohol level was, like, 0.238, which is, like, three times the legal limit for driving. So Okay, but she didn't drive. Right, but they're they're saying you know she was really drunk. I guess she's super drunk. She was smoking a a joint. That is probably what contributed to her falling from the second story balcony. I'm sorry, but it seems like she knew what she was doing. And according uh, to everyone who was there, she did. Yeah, like I get that it's a lot, but some people just handle their alcohol better than others. They have tolerance and they know what they're doing. Yeah, versus some versus like me. But yeah, um, we'll get into like what the autopsy said, but I want to talk about the investigation first. So there are quite a few things that stand out as a little bit suspicious in the investigation. Firstly, when they called that group of people from the sleepover back to interview them all, they split them into two groups. One group was the people who left and the other was the people who stayed the night. And they're but all they just can, like talk. They're like intermingling. They're all just like, left in this room their together. Stories straight, or exactly. at least trying to. Exactly. Like usually, you would keep them yes. separate so that they can't like conjure up a story or right. come to an agreement about what they're gonna say. Honestly, it <sighs> fucking reminds me of the first episode of the Cannonsburg people. Yeah. Like, just. No, this is what we're gonna. They got. Yeah, they gonna stick to it. Yeah. Yeah. They and, all. Got together and figured out what the fuck they were going to say and stuck with it. Yeah. Um, another thing is that when Jose was, I, I believe it was when he was on the phone with 911, he said that the last time he had seen Tamla was in the kitchen around 1 a.m. And she seemed like she was deciding whether to leave or wait until the morning. But then he told officers that he last saw Tamla at 1.30 and that she had specifically mentioned to him that she was going outside for her last cigarette before coming inside and deciding either to sleep on the couch or in a guest bedroom upstairs. So he's telling two different, completely different stories within just a couple hours. And aren't you like law enforcement? Don't you know how bad that looks? Right. And I think it's worth mentioning too that like everyone who had spent the night said that Tamla at some point throughout the night wanted to leave. Which, to me, says that something happened. Because <clears throat> she wasn't planning on no. leaving. And she probably felt uncomfortable. Yeah. And with Jose saying that he, like, she was trying to decide if she should we- leave or wait until the morning, it seems like something upset her. And she wasn't sure, like, I don't know. It just doesn't... I'm right. I mean, from my experience, if I'm going somewhere planning on staying the night and all of a sudden I want, like, my, I want to go home now, like, there's something that led to that change. Yeah. Yeah. And usually um, it has to do with people being fucking stupid. Right. 
So they all said, they all agreed that she did want to go home, but they wouldn't allow her to leave because she was too drunk to drive, which is also weird because, first of all, according to everyone there, she was totally under control all night. But even if you don't want her to drive, call a fucking Uber. It's or 2018. Give her, give her a ride. Call like, her husband. Yeah. This I feel is, like there's many ways to go about this. There are so many options, but no, they take her keys and they take her phone from her. For what reason? So she can't call, call for anyone? help. Like, I'm just I'm. I don't want to. I don't want to. We don't want to get sued here. Exactly, but you, you know, you can kind of put we're the just, pieces together we're just yourself. Telling the facts, of what happened. Jose also said to nine one one that he was woken up in the morning by Madeline, the first woman to find her, and that he and Jean came out of the room to see Tamla laying outside on the ground. But in the incident report, the officer wrote, quote, Jose told me while he was cleaning up the following morning, he found an unlit cigarette and lighter lying on the floor of the porch. Also, so were you sleeping or were you cleaning up whatever? Right. Again. Yeah, it's just another change. So, yeah, the, the brand of cigarettes matched the brand of cigarettes that Tamla smoked. This is what Jose is saying. And then several of the partygoers confirmed that in the report. They said they had all woken up in the morning and started cleaning. But if you remember, the first story that Jean's aunt Madeline said was that she woke Jose and Jean up after finding Tamla's body. So but now all do? of a Go, sudden... Like, find that out and then just, oh, but we gotta clean up. Yeah. But now all of a sudden, everyone's already awake and cleaning the house. And then right. and then he was he was saying that, like, Oh, I have OCD, and that's why... Oh, my God, that pissed me off so fucking much. Right. I, when I heard that, <sighs> I... That's why I went outside to get the just, unlit know. cigarette. He, yeah, he said something like, yeah, well, you know what? It was like, you know, I opened the door, and it was just, like, right there. Right in my path. Right in my path. So, you know, my OCD, I just had to do something. But you didn't I'm see like, her dead body laying in the like, grass? You motherfucker. You... Oh, my God. Ah. So, yeah, another reoccurring theme that for some reason keeps coming up in the interviews is that Tamla was the only smoker in the group. Like, they repeat that over and over right. and over like, to the point where it's weird. Do? Okay, we get it. Yeah, so Jean keeps offering this idea that they have that camera mm -hmm. and they have the security app that shows when the doors are opened and shut. And if you remember, the door was opened, closed, and then open again for the last time at 157. But not closed. But not closed. They have that screenshot of notifications mm -hmm. that she was getting on her phone that night. And on her phone, like in the notifications, you can see alerts that the door is opening, closing, whatever. But you can also see that the garage door was opened at 139, closed at 140, and then opened again at 140 for the last time and was never closed. Wait, say that timeline again. So, if they okay. So, when did the garage door open? The garage door opened at one thirty nine. It closed a minute later, at one forty, and then opened at one forty for the last time. And now, the door to the balcony one f was opened for the last time at one fifty seven. So, right. okay, this is. Again, I don't want to get sued, but this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm just putting the pieces together. This is 
purely Somebody, speculation, y'all. We're not yeah, telling I'm not, you anything. Right. Just, just we don't, close your ears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> no, but I think somebody fucking killed her, right? Mm-hmm. They had her out in the garage for whatever reason. Drag her back inside and threw her off the balcony. Yeah, they killed her somewhere else, and then like, yeah. Oh, this I'm gonna is a make great it idea. look like it's I'll an accident. I'll just stage this that she was so fucked up that she just fell off the balcony. Yeah, because because she, she also had so many different like scrapes, and she was mm-hmm. all yeah and messed we'll, up, and it, yeah. that's not what happens when you when you fall. No, no, not at all. Like um, her face bones weren't broken. Like it just doesn't. Right. So that door was opened at 157 was when the balcony door was last opened, but the garage is opening and closing, opening and closing, which is weird because Tamla was supposedly the last person awake in the house. Obviously not. So we'll talk about the autopsy reports now. Like I said earlier, her blood alcohol level was about three times the legal limit Mm -hmm. for driving. Her toxicology reports also showed the THC in her system, which makes sense. But then they also found a small amount of Xanax. Which she was not prescribed. She wasn't prescribed it. She didn't have Xanax in any of her belongings. So, to me, that's a red flag. Um, Someone put it in her drink. It's possible, right? Um, Her wrist was broken and there was a a one-inch laceration on the inside of her wrist. We talked about that. There was also a laceration on her left forearm. Okay, wait. So the one inch scratch was her suicide attempt, supposedly, according to Jose. Have you? He didn't think that through, I don't think. (laughs) I don't know about you, but if I were to kill myself by slitting my wrists, it wouldn't be a fucking inch. No. That's like. Yeah, so the one-inch laceration, that's what's on her wrist. Attempt. Yep. Right, 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 right. Uh, there was bruising and lacerations all over her fingers and on her shins. And this is just what the first autopsy report mm-hmm. showed. Um, so just keep that in mind. But most of her injuries were to her head, her neck, and her torso. Those were the most severe, is what this report said. There were also superficial abrasions on her forehead, above her eyelid, her nose bridge her right temple, and on her chin, and she had a fracture of one of her vertebrae, and a laceration on the right ventricle of her heart, which I guess is like a common injury for victims of car crashes. Like, really high impact. Yeah, like a lot of trauma to your chest is, that's what it takes for that to happen. Um, The medical examiner noted that there were no facial bones broken, which is very strange considering the fact that her face is literally buried into the grass. Wait, not even your nose? Excuse me? I guess not. And the other thing is she had a lot of brain bleeding, but there was no blood pooled at the right. scene. Right, right, right. If you're going to jump from a balcony, yep. you're going to have more than internal bleeding. Yeah. Right. So they ruled her cause of death as multiple blunt force injuries. Multiple Multiple blunt force injuries, yes. There was no photos taken of her autopsy. There's nothing. So there's nothing of reference, right? Um, which, again, just does not what happen. The hell? 
uh, like the whole point of taking pictures during an autopsy is to corroborate your findings. What you're saying, yes. That's what happens. So obviously, like, Tamla's family is doubting that these injuries were consistent with the idea of her falling from the balcony. And actually, like, the lead investigator that showed up, their initial theory was that Tamla hadn't fallen from the balcony, but from the ground due to landscape edging that they had that matched the scrapes and the lacerations that were found on her shins. And the only reason that they started to speculate that she had fallen from the balcony instead was because a medical examiner with the Georgia Bureau of Investigations explained, yeah, they explained that the injuries she suffered couldn't have possibly been from ground level. So they're like, oh, she must have fallen from the balcony then, just like John said. I feel like I hear about the GBI way too fucking often. Yeah. Oh, and, uh. Up and vanished. Yeah. First season. Yep. 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 Tara. Tara. Grinstead. Grinstead. <laughs> We're creepy. Oh my god. <laughs> but yeah, so they, they initially thought she had just like fucking face planted. And that's why her her arms are out at her side and she didn't try to break her fall, right? And what does is, what is Jean say about, isn't there, doesn't she say something about like, I don't know, I guess, I mean, she just must have face planted. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever she fucking said, it just really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, that's, that is what she said. And obviously, like, her family isn't satisfied with that theory either. Um, Fair. They don't think that her resting position is consistent with a fall from the balcony. They don't think that the injuries she sustained could have happened from a ground level fall. Just doesn't make sense. They think that some of the injuries that she had on her arms and hands could have actually been defensive wounds. Mm. And, um, Mm -hmm. and that would explain, you know, if there was an altercation before either going over the balcony or being placed in the yard where she was found, that makes a little more sense in my opinion yeah again this is just my opinion my but my opinion agrees with you (laughs) so obviously evidence was compromised or possibly even missed because i believe that the officers that were there that day already had this preconceived notion that it was accidental helped along by yours truly jean and jose right and But it's like you still have a job to do. I mean, that's why you're called a fucking investigator. Is you are the one that determines through your investigation what actually happened. Not because somebody told you what happened. And not because someone tried to give you a fucking Dunkin' Donut gift card. (laughs) Yeah, somebody tried to bribe you. Bridget? No, I don't know if it was Bridget. No, it It was was John. John. Yep. Yes. Another thing I said earlier was, you know, everyone during their interviews kept repeating that Tamla was the only smoker in the group very persistent about that one specific thing for whatever reason that's the most important thing of the whole night but police found two lighters with two different packs of cigarettes but no evidence was collected no prints were taken they never tested any of the cigarettes for dna what's that it's obviously and, an accident. Why would you waste your time? Right. So, during her autopsy, you know, we already know they didn't take pictures. They also didn't do rape kit. They didn't collect fingernail clippings. You know, that could have DNA. For DNA of self-defense. Right. Nothing. They did nothing like they were supposed to do. Like, 
And even just the investigation is just so, like... La-ti-da. Yeah. Especially the the conversation between Bridget and that girl's. the investigators. They're asking questions, which she is absolutely not answering. No. And she's just talking out of her asshole. I think they asked her, like, a total of, like, four questions. Yes, and there was, like, I, 45 yes. pages worth of transcript. Right. Like, just going off uh, on these tangents of how good of a She's the mother hand. I'm she's the mother, the mother hand of the group. <laughs> she made sure they knew. It's like... Right. And the question was, like, were you drinking? <laughs> like... Something wrong with what? these things. But then it's, like, the, the investigator just let her do that. Yeah. He wasn't, like... It's he very just unprofessional. Like, yeah. The whole thing. Yeah. Like, He's I like, don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe, like, try a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> like, do your job? I don't know. Uh, <sighs> it wasn't just Tamla's family, though, that had a hard time believing all of these theories and, you know, the official ruling that they came to. One of the other women that was there that night also didn't believe it. Stacy Smith, she was the one who planned the party. And her husband, Tom, was there hanging out with Jose During her interview, she was very expressive about how she didn't think it was possible that Tamla could have fallen. Wait, who said this? Uh, Stacy Smith. Interesting. Yeah, she said... And Stacy is the one who hosted, whose husband was also there, Tom. Right, right. Uh, She told police, quote, I don't get it at all. I mean, I've been on that deck like a million times. Like, I've looked and I've tried and I don't understand. Like, she's talking about how... It doesn't make sense. Yeah, and she theorized that, like, well, maybe she leaned over the railing because she thought she was going to get sick. But then she, like, actually tested that Mm -hmm. by doing it herself, and she said that she doesn't understand how it could be physically possible. Um, She explained that Tamla wasn't acting sick. She was handling her alcohol really well, as was stated by the other people there that night. And to land on your face, you feel like you have to be, like, unconscious to do that. Like, yeah. as you're falling, you're going like, to turn to the side to lessen the impact. If you're really, like, hoisting yourself over, trying to throw up. Yeah. And you're going to land on your back. Like, it just, yeah. I don't get it. Um. Well, thank you, Stacy. You seem like the only reasonable person. Right. And then another woman who wasn't there but is friends with Tamla... Also said that... Is it her best friend? Yes. Michelle, Michelle Graves. Okay. Yeah. So, Michelle Graves, sta- or not Stacy, Tamla's best friend, mm-hmm. said that the idea of her death being an accident didn't sit, well, didn't sit well with her either, especially because she was continuously getting inconsistent stories from everyone every time she'd interact with the group of people. Mm-hmm. And... And we'll talk more about that later because there's a, it's it's a lot of drama that's going on with this group of people for some reason. But I want to talk about the interviews first. Oh, golly. And it's important to know that these interviews took place two weeks after the whole incident. That's fine. Uh, and that's they fine. were also at Jean's house. <laughs> this is all just very super informal. So they're interviewing... The aunt, Madeline. Mm-hmm. And John just like walks into the interview 
She says, I'm going to start charging, charging y'all rent. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gives them these gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts because they're cops. And um, she says something along the lines of, like, someone told me I shouldn't do this because it makes me look bad. But um, I'm going to do it anyways. Y'all. Yeah. It's like, what? And then she says, do you need me or can I go upstairs to start getting ready for this the, funeral right like because uh, this was happening on the day of tamla's funeral right she refers to it as this funeral which i don't like, know if i'm just looking into it too much but if you called my funeral this funeral and 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 like you i died at your house yeah under very sus- can i go get like, ready for this funeral right Excuse as you're me? like making cracking fucking jokes with the officer like yeah i don't get me wrong like gallows humor like i'm obviously all about it but i there's a time and a place yeah not when you're being investigated investigated right for the death of somebody who died at your house to bribe your good buddy friends that are investigating you like i what I don't know that these people have thoughts in their Oh, well, doesn't Jose say, I had a, it made my head think. (laughs) Was it Jose or was it, uh, I don't know. Someone fucking Yeah, someone, it made my head think. (laughs) What? (sighs) It's just a very weird response, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, not even, like. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to go re- get ready for this football game. Yeah. It's it's but, uh, so, like, it's just another thing like, you have to yeah. check off your to-do list right, today. Right. Like, what? Um, so, and then another thing, too, is that when police got to Jean's house, like, on the day that they discovered Tamla's body, they were asking if there were any arguments or whatever, and Jose is, like, no, no one in the group was a sad or angry drunk. And then police asked John if everyone was happy, and she said, no, LSU lost. One of the first things that Jean does in her interview is completely contradict everything that her aunt said. She said, you know, Jean says that her aunt always goes outside to see the weather. So on this particular morning, she went outside, she saw Tamla. Came back in, washed her face, and said a prayer. <coughs> she couldn't believe what she was seeing. So she went back outside, saw Tamla again. Went upstairs, knocked. And Jean said they didn't hear it the first time. She knocked and they heard it the second time. And after that, they went out there and they found Tamla. And that on the phone with 911, Jose starts to lift her leg and says, Rigor mortis has already set in. She's gone. That's what Jean says during her interview. But, like, we have the transcripts for the 911 call. He never says that. He actually says he's not sure. He says that she's stiff. Yeah. Which, like, right, obviously implies rigor mortis. But right. It will, the thing, like, about her arms being to her side, like, when police got to the scene that day, her arm, one of her arms was extended out so that her hand would have been above her head. Mm-hmm. And that was the hand where she had the broken or dislocated wrist. But Jean says that Tamla's arms were both by her side. 
So did someone move her arm? Like maybe to make it look like she fell herself she's she was trying to just, like break her fall yeah like she didn't just fucking face plant in the grass anyway so they continue with jean's interview like i said she's just really weird and she's being flirty and it's very uncomfortable super awkward and then at one point she starts talking to someone on the phone and she says quote um can you go outside and wait for baby mama and get my kids belongings from her so she doesn't come in the house she's on her way and then she says, that's my ex-husband's baby mama. <laughs> this chick is like... I don't give a like fuck. off her fucking rocker, bro. Right, what? It's such a weird situation. Like, so, it's, it's just very weird. That's all I can say. Especially for the investigation of your friend's death. At like, your house. At, that at happened your at house. your house. Yeah. Like, what is not setting in something's not connecting exactly um so during jose's interview officer christian the lead investigator asks him about the position of the arms i mean he doesn't really ask he basically just says like somebody moved her arm because you told me previously that both of her arms were by her side and jose responds by saying correct so officer christian's like well Hmm? do you know who moved her arm and Jose says, I, I have no clue. Well, he starts to explain, like, like, oh, well, there's a moment that I was on the phone with 911. I had to go back inside for something. And then when I came back out, law enforcement was, they were already here. And so they told me to just kind of stand up on the deck while they sorted stuff out. And he says, that's the last time I saw her. So according to Jose, both of her arms were by her side. But when she was found, her arm was up over her head. But no one's taking responsibility for moving it. And now it just seems like it has more importance. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. You were fine admitting that you touched her back and you grabbed her leg for whatever reason. But the arm is the one thing that you're like, oh, no, Mm -mm, I definitely didn't do that. It wasn't me. And say, okay, maybe he didn't do it. Maybe he's not responsible for moving her arm. Or say no one in the group did. But, okay, does she move her own arm? Was she still alive? Because you didn't you didn't check you didn't turn her over. You didn't check properly to see if she was breathing. The only thing we really have is you said her leg was stiff. So in that case, yeah, she'd probably be dead. And him saying, like, well, she's definitely dead. She's not breathing to all of a sudden changing his tone and being like, actually I don't know if she's breathing or not. Like I'm I'm not gonna fucking flip her over and try to help her like what's going on because to me if her arms are by her side it looks like you were either placed there or you were thrown after the you were thrown over the balcony after you were already dead or unconscious but if your arms above your head and your wrist is broken to me that says they tried to break their fall so they they must have known that they were about to hit the ground like they must have been conscious but again we're only talking about a 20-foot drop that's it. Which, I mean, okay. To be fair, that can kill people, right? Yeah. I mean, for sure. People can fall on ground level and die. Yeah. But the extent of for this, the severe injuries to her head exactly. and her neck, her torso, All of the abrasions, the, everything. the lacerations, like, yep. what? Right. And I'm not even saying that it had to have been somebody at the party who moved her arm. Maybe... Because we already know that the investigators here are not very keen on actually doing their jobs. 
you know, they're not taking autopsy pictures, no fingerprints, nothing. Maybe they hear this group saying it's an accident and they're really eager to close this case. Who knows? Maybe they say, okay, this is more believable. I don't know. It's just weird. But something isn't lining up. Right. And as if the whole case wasn't suspicious enough, suspicions were further raised in December of 2019 when Jose Barrera was fired from his job in law enforcement. So we've talked about Jose a lot, which is weird because, like, he wasn't even supposed to be there that night. He's just this 27-year-old pre-trial officer dating a 45-year-old casually... 45-year-old football mom. Right? What? We know that he is John Meyer's boyfriend. He was at the house the night of the party. We also know that he was... He used to be a parole officer, but during Tamla's death, he was the pre, uh, pre-trial officer. So, he was fired from that position after illegally accessing the confidential files in the Horsford case. So basically that means he accessed these files about Tamla's death by using his position in law enforcement to get access to those confidential records. And those are the records that tell you like what the police know. No, and it's like think happened. Yeah. Like and he did that like literal days after her death. On November 7th, that's when he went into the incident report file, and then he went back into it on the 20th of that same month, and then a few days later, he accessed um, a restraining order that Jean had tried to take out against Tamla's best friend, Michelle Graves. What? Yes. I did not hear that. This is all, it all seems like an intimidation thing, like... So, uh, Jean was... She had or she tried, tried. It was denied to get a restraining order. She tried order to get a restraining order against, against Michelle. Michelle. Yes. Tamla's best friend. Yes. Because Michelle kept questioning them on everything. And she tried to say that she was being harassed. So they denied the restraining order, but another thing is that we know he had previously been a probation officer and then there was another position in law enforcement that he held before becoming a pre-trial officer he got fired from those two positions as well okay which we know by looking into true crime cases is not very fucking easy to get fired from law enforcement like you can pretty much do whatever you want maybe a paid suspension yeah i don't know right but to get fired um it just makes you wonder like what happened in those positions do we know what he's doing now please for the love of god tell me he's not i hope he's not in law enforcement I don't know. But yeah, so a month later, the case was closed. It was named an accident. And I guess the seven people who slept over at Jean's house that night also tried to sue Tamla's friend, Michelle Graves, for defamation. I guess she was making some accusatory Facebook posts, um, assuming that they were responsible for Tamla's death. The lawsuit was dismissed. Um, they tried to appeal it after taking Jean and Jose off the lawsuit, but nothing ever came of it. Um, something else that I think is interesting is that a woman named Ashland Harris, she's the organizer of Tamla's um, change.org 
petition. She believes that she has been targeted for publicly criticizing the Forsyth uh, County Sheriff's Department. I guess she was arrested while police were looking for three men involved in a car accident. She was let go. She filed a complaint against the officer involved. But then later that same month, the uh, Forsyth County Sheriff showed up at her house with a warrant for her devices, accusing her of using them to send an anonymous accusatory email to one of the people who was at Jean's house the night of Tamla's death. So she sued them, which is good for her. But none of that seemed like enough for them to look into the case again until the Black Lives Matter movement right. reignited interest in her case on social media. And there were actually like a bunch of celebrities that were speaking out about Tamla's case, like 50 Cent and Kim Kardashian, T.I. Mm-hmm. And while all of that was going on, they had the Horsford's family lawyer looking into the case as a possible homicide. He was told that they did have autopsy photos, but when he requested them, they were never sent. Even though they were fine, like they were very responsive with all of the other things he requested, but for some reason, yeah. Uh, It also came out that Officer Christian had made some very racist remarks about Tamla. I don't know exactly what, but the family did do an independent autopsy. And there were some discrepancies between that one and the original one that was performed. The wrist that they, that the first autopsy said was dislocated, the bone was actually sticking out from the skin. (gasps) Yeah. Uh, So not a dislocation. Oh my God. And Mm -mm. the, you know, they also said her spine was fractured, but the independent autopsy came back and found no fractures at all and most importantly is what the first autopsy didn't show that there was no evidence of significant trauma to the skull which changes the entire theory that she could have possibly fallen off from a second story balcony um The doctor who performed that independent autopsy said that the lack of broken bones in Tamla's skull made him skeptical that she died from falling from the second story of a building, which is literally what the investigators on the screen agreed with, too. Like, they thought she had fallen from ground level, if you remember. Right, right, right. But when it was suggested that she might have fallen off the balcony because she was drunk, they investigated it from that angle only. So after all of this pressure that the GBI was receiving from the public, they finally agreed to reopen their investigation on it in June of 2020. Mm -hmm. But by July of the next year, they concluded this reinvestigation and decided not to pursue any criminal charges. So they do now have a petition to get the FBI to handle the reinvestigation Mm -hmm. of Tamla's case. Mm -hmm. I will have that petition linked in the podcast notes. I think it's very important that people go and sign it because they currently have over 700,000 signatures. They're trying to get to a million. Let's do it. But, yeah. It's it's an incredibly mishandled case. 
and I think it's important to talk about it. It's it's just so, so messy, and everyone acts so fucking weird, mm-hmm. and I, and she has five kids. Yep. She had five kids. I don't know. She like, had six. She oh, had really? five boys and a, and a daughter from a previous relationship oh, that was, like, that. an adult, so she didn't okay. live with them. But, yeah. How, like, can you imagine being those kids on the football team? No. Afterwards? No. Like, your mom? I wonder if they... killed my mom. Like, I wonder what gossip they had going on. Yeah. Well, and it seems like, I mean, this whole place just seems so... Fucking like, stuck up. Yeah. Like, the whole... She was the only one who's... Like, they were so adamant about making sure the officers knew. She's the only one that would smoke. No one else partakes in the tobacco. Or the marijuana. Mm -mm, Like, mm -mm, oh my god. mm -mm. She was drinking a nasty-smelling tequila. (laughs) I wonder if uh, maybe they've relocated since then. I honestly think it'd be best for them, but it's hard because then how do you... How do you keep fighting that fight for her, you know, if you're far away? So, I don't know, but that is the case of Tamla Horseford. Definitely make sure to check out our Patreon if you're interested in some more information about the case. Uh, I'll try to post as much as I can find, but that's, that's it. That's all we got for you. And sign the petition. Yes, definitely Please. sign that. I'm going to have it what linked. What is it called? Change.org. Okay. I've signed a lot of petitions there before. I have it pulled up right here. but And, and I don't know if you can just like go on change.org and just search for a petition, but the petition is called FBI to handle the reinvestigation of the case involving the death of Tamla Horsford. Okay. They have 717,000 signatures. And it says, at 1 million signatures, this petition becomes one of the top signed at change.org. Wow. Yeah, y'all, I know we're all just one singular person, but, like, let's do it. Yeah, they also have some information here about how to contact the sheriff's office. Mm. Um, So, they have Ron Freeman. He was the sheriff. He was the one I was talking about. Had... Somebody that worked for his campaign was somehow related to one of the women that okay. were there that night. Yep. Um, his office's number is 770-781-3077. And then they have Andy Kalin. He's the lieutenant that oversaw the case. His office is 770-205-4588. Please be respectful. But yeah, and it has some... You know, on this petition, you can read, too, a lot about the information. They, you know, they talk about some of the issues with the investigation, like the supervising investigator, um, Andy Kalin, was friends with Jose. And then a personal, uh, Andy Kalin was a personal friend of the sheriff. He was hired after Ron was elected sheriff and had no police experience prior but was put into such a high position, which usually includes, like, background checks and polygraphs and mm-hmm. whatever. 
And then Ron Freeman's 2016 campaign manager is friends with most of the people that were at the party that night. Not to mention that Jose has been longtime employee that works directly with him. So, actually? Yeah. Yep. He works directly with the Forsyth County Sheriff's worked. Office. Well, worked, I should say. Thank yeah. God. Wow. So, yeah, definitely, definitely please go there, sign the petition, look into that as much as you can, and then... Um, hopefully we can one day do an update. Yeah, hopefully. This yeah. is, like, one of the cases that we can be proactive about. Mm-hmm. And I think when we have that opportunity, like, we owe it. Oh, absolutely. Like, 100%. It won't take long. Just go sign it. Yeah, I'll just take a second of your time. Send it to your friends or whoever. Yep. But this is messed up. Mm-hmm. And they need to reinvestigate. Absolutely. So, yeah, that is our episode for today. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, where can they find you? Patreon.com slash oddities on Elm Street. Become a Patreon. See all the fun stuff that we're going to add. And then, um, you Your know, if you, if you didn't win the giveaway this time, there will be plenty of opportunities, I'm sure, in the future. Yeah, so... So, make sure you are following over there. Instagram.com slash Bobby Curtis Lee. Bobby Curtis Lee. Um, yeah. Also, <laughs> send in your listener tales, please. Yes. I keep forgetting to mention that in our episodes. But yeah, please send them to listenertales at gmail.com. Whatever you got. For Doesn't a chance have to, be long. to be... Yeah, it can be short and sweet. But just... Send it. Send it. Send it. Yeah. Anything else? Petition. Yeah, sign the petition, please. Please. Please and thank you. And also, uh, don't sue us, please. <laughs> We're only This is just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I hope you all have a lovely week. And remember to always, always keep, keep it spooky. It spooky.